Welcome back, everybody, to GMs for Hire. My name's Will Polson. Alongside with me are the three usuals. All four GMs are here today. Matt Perry, RJ Strope, and Jamil King. And we are here to bring you the week two recap of the NFL season. Uh, man, uh, if if you like fantasy football, you may be screwed after this week because it seemed like every single person who could be in a lineup got hurt. Um, and I wish I was exaggerating. It, it the, the list goes on and on. It, everybody knows that running backs come very few and far between. Well, how about losing uh, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley in the same week? Uh, Saquon's out for the season. He tore his ACL against the Chicago. Uh, McCaffrey went down with a high ankle sprain against the Bucks. He's going to be out for at least four to six weeks. Um, not to mention Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, both out for the 49ers. They're going to be gone. Cam Akers has yet to be determined when he's going to return. He went down with a rib injury. Um, and then to go on to quarterbacks, both Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Locke are both out. Uh, Jimmy G is week to week, while Drew Locke severed, uh, suffered a rotator cuff injury. He'll be out for two to six weeks. Um, and then when you look at wide receiver, Cortland Sutton's out for the year. Uh, Paris Campbell is to be determined, along with Sterling Shepard. Neither one has a times table to return yet. Rashad Perriman for the Jets is out, and he's week to week. I mean, it just seemed like people were dropping like flies this week. It, it didn't seem like any team was safe. Um, and ultimately, I mean, I'd, I'm going to get your opinion on it, RJ. We'll start with you. I mean, is that just football without the preseason? Is it the, is it the bodies just not being ready to warmed up? Or, or what, what do you think it is? Everybody's just dropping. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what it is. This is what happens when you don't get a real offseason, uh, when you don't get those extra reps, when you're not hitting as much, you don't get the preseason. This is what happens in a COVID offseason. This is the product of it. Uh, you are going to have this. It's unfortunate. It's the worst part of any sport, especially a contact sport like football. Um, when you've got a couple faces of the league in Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey going down on the same day, just, I don't know, a couple hours apart. Um, that's a bad day for the NFL. And I know for years we've been having this discussion about preseason and maybe shortening preseason. Maybe these players need those reps because here we are just throwing them out there on the field with no preseason, no nothing. Uh, now I understand training camps and things like that were also shortened and, you know, those problems there. But maybe this is a sign that we don't need to get rid of the preseason, actually. We need to keep it uh, because these bodies are not ready to get hit yet. Yeah, I know a, a lot of teams that even, like, you know, whenever people talk about that, a lot of the times the first team's not getting a lot of reps in preseason to begin with. I mean, you may see a couple of drives here in the early weeks, and then I want to say week three is the big week that the starters mainly play a lot, and then week four they almost all sit. Uh, completely they may get one drive um, so preseason not being a part of it I mean I don't I don't think that's too much I understand maybe shortening it but like the first team players really aren't getting that much work outside of training camp so um, I don't know there's there's a discussion to be had there for sure um, but yeah I mean I, I think this is kind of tough to watch it and then especially uh, with all this and I'm gonna get your opinion Matt uh, we just saw that 
with Saquon going out, actually breaking news just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Devonta for, uh, Devonta Freeman actually signed with the Giants for a one-year deal over uh, for $3 million just to fill in for Saquon. Uh, Matt, I'll get your opinion on that. How do you feel about Freeman joining the team? I think it's low risk, high reward. Uh, it's uh, it's one year. He can earn up to $3 million. Uh, and it was just a couple of years ago that Devontae Freeman was in the conversation as one of the elite running backs in the NFL. Obviously now moved on from the Falcons. His name kind of flew around uh, free agency this offseason. Couldn't find a team until now. But I think he'll be a good fit and for sure a good replacement for the time being. Jamil, I'll get your opinion on this. Out of all those names that were listed or maybe even some other ones that weren't listed, who do you think is the most uh, impactful injury out of week two? Um, other than Saquon Barkley, obviously, he's, he's the motor that, that runs over there in, um, in New York. And, and Chris McCaffrey's going to come back. Um, I think the biggest one's got to be Nick Bosa. You know, he's the reigning rookie defensive player of the year for the 49ers. He's one of the, the vocal points of that defense coming off the edge. That's a team that has aspirations to go back to the Super Bowl. And um, you lose one of your best defensive players. Um, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for this team, obviously. Um, that's not going to, you know, ruin their whole season. But, you know, that's a big blow to lose one of your best defensive players, especially at a key position like like edge rusher. Definitely. I mean, that, the list of players that I had were just offensive. So not even to mention the defensive players that went out, Nick Bosa being one of them. I mean, that's uh, – whenever you, you look at, you know, the importance of preseason and everything, as RJ mentioned, I think you have to look at this 49ers team. I mean, week one, Kittle goes down. Now week two, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, uh, Nick Bosa. I mean, they are just dropping. They are – they're dropping quicker than anybody. You know, we say that the NFL's going down and catching the injury bug, but, I mean, hell, the 49ers are getting it worse than anybody right now. They lost um, four players, and they play in the same exact stadium this week, and they were complaining about um, the turf at, at that stadium. So that's something to look forward to, or at least look at this week. Not look forward to, definitely. Not look not. forward. No, we don't. No, look forward definitely to. not look forward to. Bad choice of words, but <laughs> unless you're unless you're a fan of one of those other NFC West teams, but like we're we're not. So let's try to stay unbiased there. But no, I mean that's definitely something to pay attention to. I mean, if people are going to be complaining about that turf, and now the 49ers have to play their back-to-back weeks, I mean that's going to be a little rough on that team. Not to mention with no preseason reps or anything like that. So. Um, that was definitely the big storyline of week two. Everybody seemed to be um, just dropping one after another. Everybody was getting hurt. Um, and it just seemed like nobody was going to stay healthy after this week. But we're going to move on to the games of week two. We're all just going to uh, kind of hit on them and try to go quick. Um, starting off with a Thursday night game from week two, the Cincinnati Bengals went into Cleveland to take on the Browns and they dropped one 30 to 35 to Cleveland. Uh, a lot closer than a lot of people may have thought, uh, in my opinion. I don't think people expected the Bengals to keep up with Cleveland like they did, um, especially with a couple of the things that happened in that game. There was a missed snap from Burrow, uh, from the center to Burrow. He tried to call a timeout and missed it. Um, man, the one thing that got proved from this game is that the Bengals have, like, the worst offensive line in history. I think this is, like – you might as well put a couple marshmallows and a scarecrow out there and call it an offensive line. Uh, Cause the only offensive thing about it is that it's offensive to Joe Burrow to try to stand behind it. Um, so I'm so I went on a big rant on Twitter. This is like, I am so irritated that Joe Burrow's having to go through this. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a LSU fan. I'm not a anything. I have no correlation to Joe Burrow, but this is pitiful. This, this all line is pitiful. And like, 
imagine if one of them gets hurt it's going to be even worse um and that's disgusting to think about but uh anybody else matt i'll go to you you have any thoughts on that game uh, I mean, if anything, we saw a couple of things. We saw the Bullock's leg is okay. Uh, he he played he played fine, and he didn't ruin anything again. That was not his fault. Uh, and we saw that Joe Burrow has. I mean, he has upside, but we saw his first real, real elite game. I'd say um, he's the first quarterback in NFL history with sixty plus pass attempts and no interceptions, which I think is something to be pretty happy about. Uh, we saw his first passing touchdowns. He made a few great passes uh, throughout the game. And, yeah, I mean, I had the I had the Browns winning this one just because they don't uh, – the Bengals don't have the same pieces that the Browns have. You know, if Burrow had everyone that the Browns have on offense, then the game would have went a different way. But, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And I don't think Burrow is going to be winning for a while. Burrow played a hell of a game on 61 pass attempts. I mean, that is a hell of a workload for a rookie, especially in your second game is in the NFL. That is absolutely nuts. Uh, going 37 for 61, 316, and three touchdowns uh, through the air. That's a really good game for Joe Burrow, his first 300-yard game in his career. Uh, moving on to New York, uh, the Giants taking on the Bears uh, in Soldier Field. The Bears got off to an early 17-0 lead in the first half. And then even after taking out Saquon Barkley, uh, the Giants managed to rally for 13 points and make it way too close of a game. Uh, the Giants were threatening on the last drive of the game. They were in the red zone and could not manage to convert at the end. The Bears hold on to win 17 to 13. RJ, I'll get your opinion on that. Uh, what I, it's, I, I know it's your North Carolina boy, and he looked pretty good in the first half. And uh, he went right back to Mitch Trubisky in, week, uh, in the second half, which is kind of similar to what he did in week one. He had a, it was basically a tale of two halves. Uh, let me get your opinion on that. Hey, uh, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Mitch Trubisky is 2-0 and this year. That's what Next. I like to hear. Next. <laughs> That's the best opinion I've heard yet. Uh, here, here's a game. Uh, this is the best way to introduce this one. Atlanta taking on Dallas. Wow. <laughs> Everybody's reaction is just wow. Um, the onside kick has to be the story. The onside kick has to be the story. Greg Zerloin comes on and tries to attempt an onside kick. Now, keep in mind, onside kicks are so very few and far between successful, um, especially nowadays. And I don't know if you could call it successful because it it shouldn't have been. It, it was absolutely stupid. Uh, Zerloin kicks the ball. Uh, three Atlanta players decide to, like, try to box out everybody in Dallas instead of just jumping on the ball like you can. Um, and then next thing you know, the Dallas – it goes 10 yards and the Dallas guy grabs it. So, uh, it sets up a game-winning field goal, and the Cowboys are able to win 40-39 to 39 right at the end. RJ, I'll get your opinion on that one. I saw you smile whenever we mentioned that game. Uh, what what was your outtake on that game? Man, the Falcons. Uh, wow. <laughs> How do y'all do that? Like, I don't understand. Like, I, we get it. You know, everybody made fun of the 28-3 to blown loss, you know, blown lead in the Super Bowl and this and that. They were blowing the Cowboys out. I mean, they were absolutely blowing Dallas's doors off. And then all of a sudden, here comes Dak. And all that firepower on offense. And I'll be honest, I've never been a big believer in Dak. I just think he's an okay quarterback. I think he's a Kirk Cousins type. Well, last year, Kirk Cousins, not this year, Kirk Cousins. I just think he's right there, you know, maybe 12th best quarterback in the league. 
But with these weapons that they have put around him, with Zeke and with the trio of receivers that he has, this Dallas team, they can make noise. Now, I understand they lost week one to the Rams. Whatever. The Rams are kind of stupid, fluky hot right now. Uh, Dallas is still going to be very good. Uh, This is still a very good team. They came back from a huge deficit. I was shocked. I'll be honest. I I felt kind of stupid. I was looking right at Jamil's face, and I said, RJ. So, Jamil, if you have anything to add to that, I'd love to hear your opinion on this game, too. Um, The Falcons, um, the Patriots broke the Falcons. Ever since they lost that Super Bowl, nothing goes their way. Um, They had no business losing this game. Mike McCarthy literally tried to help them win the game by going for two when he had no need to go for two. The onside kick was terrible. This is the same team that got two onside kicks in one game last year. So, you know, you would think they know how to practice onside kicks. But, um, nope, we're wrong. Uh, I think Dan Quinn's seat was pretty hot, and I think now it's on fire after that it's game. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little too dangerous to touch right now. So, uh, moving right along, we're going to go over to Detroit, taking on Green Bay at Lambeau. Uh, the, Aaron Rodgers struck again. I mean, pissed off Aaron Rodgers is playing, and he is here to play. Uh, back-to-back weeks now dropping over 40 points for Green Bay. Uh, 21-42, the final score out there in Green Bay. I'll get your opinion on it, Jamil. Uh, I'd love to get your actual opinion since I unfortunately skipped you because I had a brain fart right there. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Aaron Jones had himself a game. Um, he's proving himself. You know, they went out, they, they picked A.J. Dillon, I want to say, in, on day three. You know, people were said, oh, you know, A.J. Dillon, you know, he might come in, you know, challenge for some reps. Aaron Jones is having none of that this season. He's off to a tremendous start. Um, obviously, and Rodgers played good. Devontae Adams went out early. The offense was still fine without him. You know, the Lions started off pretty good, but um, too much Aaron Jones, too much Aaron Rodgers in this game, and the Packers' offense is on fire right now. Over 220 all-purpose yards and found the end zone, I want to say, three times for Aaron Jones. I want to say twice on the ground, once through the air. Uh, phenomenal day. Phen- absolutely phenomenal day, and Aaron Rodgers also gets two touchdowns as well. Uh, the, the Packers are firing on all cylinders when it comes to offense. Moving on to Jacksonville, going to Nashville to face the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and I think another game where I would say a lot closer than a lot of people thought. 30-33, uh, to 33, the Titans were able to hold on by a field goal. Um, of Tannehill, I think, is the story of this game. Not a lot of people expect Tannehill to be the face of that Titans offense. Uh, he doesn't exactly strike the name as playmaker, especially with uh, in the same sentence as Derrick Henry. But uh, Derrick Henry only accumulated 84 yards on 25 touches. Uh, couldn't find the end zone. But Tannehill, four touchdowns uh, through the air. Matt, I'll get your opinion on that. How about the 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 second coming of Ryan Tannehill? I'm, as a whole, I'm loving the Titans this year. I don't care how close the game was. Uh, just seeing myself proved right always is a good feeling. Um, yeah, four <laughs> passing touchdowns for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he's playing really well, honestly, much better than at least you guys thought he'd play. Um, I think uh, this one stat I found is a little uh, off the radar, but I think it's interesting. The Titans are 9-0 and when Henry has 25-plus carries in a game, and that's including the playoffs. So, you know, it seems to be a common trend that if you pass the ball – I mean, not pass the ball, hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, good things are going to happen. Uh, for the Jaguars, Minshew overall isn't having a bad season. Uh, we'll, we'll probably see him start to decline soon. Uh, Minshew mania, I don't know how long that'll last. Uh, 30 for 45 isn't a bad game. Three touchdowns, two picks. It's decent. It's nothing special. It's not like his first, uh, his first week where he went 19 for 20. But um, hopefully he keeps up because 
Jacksonville needs someone like him. Jacksonville did their job to try to hold on, just couldn't pull it out in the end. Uh, moving on to the one that upset us uh, for the week, Vikings taking on the Colts. Uh, Minnesota went into Indianapolis, and, and Jim Hill's face says it all right there. RJ's face says it all. Man, who are the Minnesota? That wasn't pretty. They who are the wild. Vikings? The Vikings looked terrible, as as Jamil said. Was not pretty at all. I'd love to get your opinion on that, Jamil. Well, uh, please elaborate on that. You know, they lost Kevin Stefanski in the offseason. He goes over to Cleveland, and these first two games without him, the offense just doesn't look good. Kirk Cousins looks like he's regressed terribly. You know, he, he took a safety this game. The offense, the offense just can't get anything moving right now. And um, 0-2 for the first time and then a little bit for the Vikings. Um, they kind of need the win next week. You know, you don't want to go 0-3. This is a team that a lot of people had penciled into the playoffs, the team that made the playoffs last year, a team that's been a favorite. So um, this isn't good for, for them. They got to they pick it up, and they got to pick it up fast. 113 yards and three interceptions for Kirk Cousins. That is – terrible to say the least uh rj you're wearing a a, a a usf shirt i'll get your opinion on a guy who uh ripped the bulls a new one last year jonathan taylor in his first uh game kind of starting off as a as a as the lead back in indianapolis going 101 with for a touchdown on 26 carries what are your thoughts on that one yeah i was at that game i left at halftime um i wish i could i had to call it <laughs> i had to stay all four quarters <laughs> When they drafted Jonathan Taylor, I knew that was pretty much the end for Marlon Mack um, because Jonathan Taylor is an absolute stud. Uh, that guy, I thought he was the most underrated player in college football. All the guy did was rush for 2,000 yards every year and doesn't finish top three in Heisman voting for some reason. I don't get it. I really don't. Uh, I thought he was very underappreciated, undervalued, underrated, whatever you want. He didn't get the respect that he deserved. I just hope he gets it now in the NFL. Uh, but back to what y'all was saying, man, Kirk Cousins, that's that's tough. That is tough. Uh, man, uh, Jonathan Taylor behind that line is disgusting. It's a match made in heaven. Um, I, uh, Indianapolis, one of the better lines in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor, uh, as mentioned, for some reason, one of the most underrated players in college football, even though he was – one of the dirtiest running backs in college football history. I mean, when it comes to pure yardage and did he, did he end his career in college football as the leading rusher in college football history? Or if he would have came back, if he would have came back for his senior year, I think he had a chance. I know that he three consecutive seasons of 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. I think his sophomore year, he had like 1980 something or no, he had over 2000 the sophomore year. That was one year. I think he had like 19 something, but yeah, I mean, basically 2000 yards every year. The guy was unstoppable. Uh, and he, he had a great start to his NFL career. So congrats to Jonathan Taylor. Um, moving on to Buffalo going into Miami and yet another game where it was way closer than I think a lot of people expected. Uh, the Bills were able to scoot it out 31 to 28 in Miami. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to accumulate over 300 yards and two touchdowns. But jo Josh Allen, 417, four touchdowns. To kind of match that, Matt, uh, get your opinion on Josh Allen and the Bills' performance this week. Where would the Bills be without Josh Allen? Somewhere towards the bottom. That defense can't carry it. I And we, we saw that there giving up 28 points to Miami. Uh, those are both career highs for Josh Allen, 417 passing yards and four touchdowns. And he's really proven this season, he's proven any doubters wrong and that he's the real deal. Uh, he pretty much carried this game for Buffalo. 
Uh, Stephon Diggs also had a very good game, eight receptions, 153 yards. Um, really disappointed in Buffalo's defense for giving up 28 points to an offense like Miami. Uh, kudos to Ryan Fitzpatrick, though, showing that he still has something in the tank because that first week performance was god-awful. Um, this was kind of a comeback week for him. He at least made things close. But, yeah, they better pray Josh Allen stays healthy or else they're going to be in a bad way. I would argue that if Josh Allen didn't consistently overthrow wide receivers, he would be statistically a top-five quarterback in the league. I agree. And he, he might be one day if he sorts that out. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, I mean, even with the lack of receiver talent, especially the years prior, this year he's got Stephon Diggs and John Brown's definitely coming into his own as a deep threat. But, man, Josh Allen is uh, – he's got the cannon for it. I mean, he's, he, he can overthrow any secondary. I don't, I don't know. It's, if he can get the people going, it's just he's, – he's definitely got a tendency to overthrow a bit. So, um, Moving on to the next game, San Francisco going into the New York to face the Jets. Uh, San Francisco, though losing damn near the half their team, manages to beat the Jets 31-13. Jamil, I'll get your opinion on this. Does this speak to how good and deep the the 49ers are, or does this speak to how bad the Jets are? Um, a little bit of both. Um, obviously, you know, no one's surprised the Niners beat the Jets. The Jets are on their way to the number one overall pick, most likely. Um Narje <laughs> still thinks it's going to be the Panthers. I still don't think the Panthers are bad enough. No the Panthers are nowhere near worse than the Jets. We can't. Let's be honest. Do they play this but, year? That'll be fun. No, they, uh, I don't think they do. Damn. But um, <laughs> obviously, you know, it's tough for the Niners. You you um, you um win the game, but you lose a lot of players. You know, you're down your third or fourth running back. You lose two of your two people on the line. So, um. You also almost lost Jimmy Garoppolo, so um, it's going to be a um, test now going forward if you're the Niners um, to see, you know, what, what you can do in this. In a tough NFC West, you have a 2-0 and Cardinals team, and you got a 2-0 and Seahawks, and you got a 2-0 and Rams. Uh, yeah, speaking of the 2-0 and Rams, uh, we're not going to talk about it. Moving on golf to the next season? game. <laughs> Is it golf season? No, uh, the Rams went across the country, went into Philadelphia, 37-19, the final score in favor of the Rams. Uh Everything about the Rams looked really good this week. Uh, their defense played well. Jared Goff played good. Um, yeah, they're, they're, Darnell Henderson managed to get a touchdown. He looked good on only 12 carries, managing to get 81 yards. Um, I think that Eagles defense is a, a little bit over. Shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's what he looked like. That's what he looked like in Philadelphia. He did that. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah, 20 for 27, 267, and three touchdowns. He had a good game, whatever. You know, I, I don't believe this shit. I, I, I'm right with RJ. It's it's all fluke. It's all just fake. Uh, the, the the rest of the Rams, whatever, they're, they're a pretty decent team. That defense is playing really well right now. Um, and I think that Eagles offensive line is just being uh, worse than we expected. Um I think with a couple of injuries, it's kind of really knocking down what they could be. Um, they fall to 0-2, as mentioned by Jamil. They, the Rams go to 2-0. Um, yeah, go ahead, man. A little surprising, I, I looked at the stats. Uh, the Rams didn't have any sacks that game, uh, surprisingly enough. After the Eagles gave up, what, 7 or 8 to Washington, they didn't give up any to Aaron Donald and the Rams. But um, I remember you mentioning something in your, in your little rant you did about Jared Goff, like – couple months ago well it was something about time zones right no uh, cold weather games cold weather games well, I got something about time zones so 
I just love these kinds of stats. The Rams are now 5-0 and in the Sean McVay era uh, when playing in the Eastern time zone at 1 p.m. And they've scored 30-plus in all five games. Have you guys seen the movie Little Big League? Because that yes. just reminded me of whenever the commentator's up there. He's like, only batting 200 on the season, but in odd-numbered days in May when the sun's out, this guy's batting 500. So he's got something to shoot for. Uh, that that was so specific of a stat, but I guess I'll have to keep that in mind if that game ever if that ever happens again. That's a great movie. Um, we're running out of time here, so we'll we'll have to hit these kind of quick. Uh, the Steelers go into uh, or the Steelers are at home against Denver. Denver loses Drew Locke, and they manage to lose the game as well, twenty one twenty six. RJ, quick opinion on that? Uh, the Bucks get the Broncos this week without Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. So, boy, that's a tough loss for Denver. I, I like you guys segue in these games because next was Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay manages to uh, take on Carolina. <laughs> the, ta- the, yes, tank for Trevor, the tank for Trevor Lawrence continues. Uh, 17-31, the final score. Tampa Bay gets their first win of the season in the home opener. Uh, yes, Jamil, sir. we'll get your opinion. How, how did it feel to, to see the Bucks finally get that first win with Tom Brady? Um, like I tweeted, I'm just glad glad to get the first win. The second half was um, very, very ugly. It was not good football at all. But um, a good finish in the fourth quarter, Leonard Fournette had a good handoff. But um, my in, my input is too much for this video. But I'm um, good win um, to get the Brady Air started off. If, if anybody else wants to uh, see that input, follow Jamil's Twitter. We'll link that in the bio. <laughs> uh, moving on to Arizona, the Cardinals continue their reign. They go to 2-0 uh, in the Washington football team. Uh, loses as we all expected. Um, the 15 to 30, the final score. Uh, I don't see any statistical really uh, outliers in this game. Matt, I don't know if K-Y anybody. Show. What's that? It was the Kyler Murray show, honestly. Was it? Yeah. Kyler Murray went, well, 26 for 38, 286, a touchdown and a pick, but did he have good rushing stats? Yeah, he had a rushing touchdown and he had another one get called back. Oh, well, there I, you go. I got, I got, I got a little, I got specific stuff for this. Let's see it. Uh, Kyler Murray surpassed uh, Car- uh, Charlie Trippy and King Hill with two for the most career twenty plus rushing uh, twenty plus yard rushing touchdowns by an Arizona quarterback since nineteen fifty. And uh, I have another one about Kurt Warner. And players uh, who wear a red jersey with the number yeah, one I mean, on what, it are statistically are better quarterbacks. Hey, it's I not like know. Arizona has a history of dual threat quarterbacks. Calm down, dude. Carson <laughs> Palmer had some wheels on him. Oh, Person Palmer had flats on him. That's what he had. No, but uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray is the first Cardinals quarterback to start 2-0 and with 500-plus passing yards through week two. <laughs> that makes more sense. That's since, a cooler stat. Since That's Kurt a better Warner, stat, Matt. You're going to have to work on those. Since Kurt Warner in 2008, and Warner led Arizona to the Super Bowl that year. So if that, if that's a sign of things to come. We'll see. Here's a game that nobody expected to go like this. Chiefs-Chargers. Goes into overtime. Justin Herbert gets his first career start with a uh, with a late injury to Tyrod Taylor in warm-ups. Said there was apparently chest pains. Uh, Justin Herbert gets to come in. He passes 300 yards in his first career game. Also manages to throw a touchdown in there. Um, but the Chiefs kind of played down to their opponent this week. Really had to fight to get back in the game to tie it. And then they uh, managed to get into overtime. Uh, the the faith of the hand or uh, the faith of the leg in Harrison Bucker as he basically hit a 50 yard plus field goal three consecutive times between a penalty and then an ice and then the actual game winning field goal uh, the Chiefs managed to hold on and continue 
to go 2-0. Uh, moving on to the Ravens taking on the Texans, which was the game of the week of the week. The Ravens stomped away on Houston 33-16. Uh, RJ, I'll get your quick opinion on that. Deshaun needs help. I love the guy, but, God, they got to get him some help. That team's just not very good. Now, the terrible draw, though, for Houston. Their first two weeks are Kansas City and Baltimore. What the hell is that? Does the league hate Deshaun? I don't get that, but all right. And it, from a defensive standpoint, it doesn't really get much easier. They're going to be taking on Pittsburgh next week, too, if I'm not mistaken, which isn't a, which isn't a great game. Yeah, Matt. I feel bad for the Texans because it's hard to beat a guy that has 28 pass touchdowns and one interception over his last nine regular season games. You know, the MVP is pretty unstoppable at this point. So all you can do is try. It, the Ravens, I think everybody just expected it to be a little bit of a closer game. And I think it's fair to say that he needs help because uh, getting rid of the best wide receiver in the league is probably not a great idea. But uh, moving on to the Patriots taking on Seattle in the Sunday night game. Uh, a split pick between the four of us here. Jamil and I were going with the Patriots, but we were uh, unfortunate to take the loss on that one, but barely. I mean, barely. I mean, they were shades of the Super Bowl. I mean, it was it was in the complete opposite spot. The the Patriots were on the goal line late into the game, uh, 30-35. It could have gone for the win, but I want to say, didn't a running back get stuffed right at the line or something like that? Uh, what was? Go ahead, Jamil. It was Cam Newton that got stuffed. Newton got stuffed. There it was. Going for the rushing touchdown and just managed to get stuffed at the goal line. Uh, Seattle's defense holds on. They managed to go 2-0 and uh, in, early on in this season. The Patriots dropped the 1-1. and But I think both teams played very well. I think it's exactly the game that we expected to get out of that those two teams. I don't think anybody expected it to be a blowout or a one-sided game. Definitely down to the last play is kind of something that we probably all expected out of that game. And then finally, to wrap it all up, <laughs> the game that I don't think anybody expected, the Monday night game, the Saints go in to the home opener of Allegiant Stadium out in Vegas. And the Raiders uh, have a good home opener. They, they win 34 to 24 over the New England or New, whoa, New Orleans Saints. Um, man, wh what a game that we did not expect. 282 and three touchdowns for Derek Carr. Um, I mean, the, it, it keeps going. I mean, it just – there were some, so many stat lines that just kind of shocked me. Whenever you look at this game, Drew Brees going 312, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, I think missing Michael Thomas is kind of a part of that. But also, uh, 312 and a touchdown, not bad. But still, you expect a little bit more out of Drew Brees. Uh, Alvin Kamara managed to get two touchdowns and over 150 total yards in the game. So, uh, it looked like they played well. But I guess the story of this game uh, – anybody want to take this I, I'm assuming it's the Saints defense I mean I think it was a little bit of uh, a couple of different things you know one um, was Derek Carr was, was was able to have his way him and Darren Waller um, them two were, were torching the Saints defense and on offense obviously you know the Saints are missing Michael Thomas but um Drew Brees doesn't seem to have the ability to throw the ball deep anymore which um it's gonna hurt their offense eventually down the line you know you don't have Mike Thomas your best underneath receiver um who are you gonna throw the ball to you, you got to get the ball downfield and it seems like they can't do that right now and um We'll have to see if that, that's the case, because if that, that, that is the case, uh, the, the longer the season goes, you know, if the Saints have the inability to hit a deep, a deep shot, um, it's going to hurt their offense. You mentioned that Darren Waller, man got targeted 16 times in that game. That is absurd. They managed to connect for 12, 103 and a touch, um, a very outstanding game out of a tight end, especially whenever – uh, whenever tight ends like Kittle, Kittle go down. So, I mean, the tight end group is 
few and far between. I think there's that that core four, and then everybody else is kind of just, you know, they're a tight end. They play the position. That's exactly what they do. Um, but other than that, nothing really too special. So to see Darren Waller really stand out in that game uh, and the Raiders upset it for their home opener in that new stadium, uh, it's almost like uh, it's almost like poetry. Uh, didn't, nobody expected it, but it, it's a beautiful ending for at least Raiders fans. So that's every game from week two. Uh, we went ahead and touched on it. We heard some stats we didn't think we'd hear. We heard some stats that are totally made up. Um, but and we've we saw some games that again, just like week one, we got some results that we expected and some other ones that we didn't expect so much. Uh, this week was a little bit easier to predict whenever it came down to it. Uh, definitely a lot less surprises, but the the surprise stories in these games were mainly just how close they were. I don't think a lot of these games were supposed to be as close as we they were. But um, we're gonna we're gonna be running out of time here. So uh, any closing thoughts for anybody going into week three? Yes, Carolina made a mistake getting rid of Cam Newton because Cam is back. Uh, so the only way I'll be happy is if they do get the number one pick and get Trevor Lawrence. And to facilitate that, don't let Christian McCaffrey come back this year. Just take the rest of the year off, bud. There you go. Now we're thinking. <laughs> just just forget it. Just You're good. Rest up. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Any closing thoughts? Less than a minute? Um, RJ, hit hate to bring it to you, but I, I think the Jets are going to get the number one pick again. Nope. <laughs> I guess nope. we'll see here soon enough. But uh, we got to have to wrap it up before we get cut off in the outro. So uh, for thank you again for joining us on this week two recap of the NFL season. I'm Will Polson alongside Matt, RJ, and Jamil. This has been GMs for Hire. Peace. <laughs>